Kat, do you think Brian Cranston's a sexy man? That's that's a question that I don't have a simple answer to. You're saying you're not qualified to answer? I, I, well, I am ace, so I don't know that that's an attribute that I am capable of judging. But I feel as though he looks more attractive in certain roles than he does in others, if that makes sense. In, In this movie, he does? In this movie, he is not attractive in the slightest. Okay, okay. All right, all right. I think one of the things is that because his face is so expressive, it gets a little scrungly. (laughs) <laughs> okay he kind of yeah. sometimes looks a little bit like a claudite <laughs> um so just I, I i only ask because um one of the one of the reviews i i read said they had trouble following the movie because he was too sexy <laughs> <laughs> uh, just now imagining that very same review on like one of his other movies like trumbo like i just like i get that he's chasing that prestige drama high yeah but he's he's, he picks such weird movies man i don't get it i don't know i don't know i really don't know so do we want to talk about the movie that we actually watched um we should do the intro to the podcast oh yeah that's um, a thing we need that, to do. That we that we do every episode at the start before we talk I'll about put, the movie. I'll put this part after the intro. So I mean, that... this part can go before the intro. It doesn't. Who, who cares? That's true. We could have a cold open of "Is Brian Cranston Sexy?" Yeah, it's a perfect cold open. Okay, I remember the intro, guaranteed. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Hello and welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kat. I'm Kira. And we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles and try to figure out what the hell is going on. Spoiler, we did cocaine. Did we? Uh, <laughs> did we? I, that's... Uh, for, for legal purposes and for reality purposes, I did not do cocaine <laughs> I, while watching this movie. I, I also didn't do cocaine while watching this movie, but it was about... Yes, it was um, a dramatization of a true story about a sting operation that happened in the 80s against Pablo Escobar's cartel and some bank that used to be a big bank and then got shut down for laundering money for cartels. Yeah, yeah. It's all very Reagan's America. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh... It was. It was. It was a CIA propaganda movie. Yeah, and it was bad. It wasn't. Yeah, it was not a good movie. Like I have a through line that I want to talk about with this movie, and it's where Brian Cranston excels as an actor versus where he puts himself in movies that he chooses after, like his success in Breaking Bad, because this kind of comes up. And he toes the line throughout the movie, but he never really gets there. 
and it's that Brian Cranston is at his strongest as an actor when he is playing a pathetic man on a power trip. I mean, he seemed pretty pathetic here. Yes. He toes the line, though, because the important thing about these pathetic men on their power trips is that their masculinity and their hubris needs to be their downfall. And this doesn't happen in this movie, which plays Brian Cranston as just a hero. Yeah. And like his biggest point of drama is that his wife is unhappy with the life that he leads undercover. Well, and the fact that I think I I think he keeps almost getting caught. Yeah, well, that too. He's he's an idiot and he's bad at his job. But the fact of the matter is like the patheticness the the Cranst- the Cranston element never quite hits because he doesn't he doesn't get punished for any of his actions, you know? Like it it the the film rewards him for what he does and that like draws back from the appeal of Brian Cranston and makes the movie less good. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely. I the Cranstonity um Cranstonity yeah. is a very good word for that and I am going to write that down. <laughs> um I I this is the only thing I've seen him in, so like I I don't have a lot of other um Cranston experience to go on. Um, so for the first thing I wrote in my notes is these right wing auto fellatio movies are so universally bad, and I feel like this one is bound to misinterpret the appeal of Brian Cranston. And then the movie spent two hours proving me right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The concept of this movie is that um, Brian Cranston is an agent for the CIA, particularly as it relates to customs and the drug trade. Yeah. In Florida. Yeah. And he goes on, he's like undercover boy. Yes. He goes undercover to infiltrate, like I said, Pablo Escobar's cartel and um, some bank who I genuinely can't remember the name of the bank. Uh, bank of Credit and Commerce International, or BCCI. Fair. So basically the whole movie is just him almost getting caught and then somehow getting out of it through like mostly luck. <clears throat> yeah, I I wasn't fully uh like there's a lot of there I like I saw a lot of um a lot of things where like surely they just kill him now, right? Yeah. But it kept ending, like, and that that's the thing, like, because this is a dramatization of a true story, like, how much of that, because if you look at the executive producer credits, mm-hmm. um, the executive producers for this movie are Brian Cranston and the guy that the movie is about. <laughs> okay. So, <sighs> so none of this can be taken with any legitimacy as to how it actually went down. Yeah. Uh, like, okay, so there's a scene where he's starting to get in with these dudes from the cartel, and in order to, like, prove himself or whatever, they go to a strip club, and a sex worker offers to give him a blowjob, and he turns it down. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it's just me, but for me, 
I'm like 99.9% sure that in real life, this guy only says he turned down the blowjob. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, it's, it, it's, it's those moments that qualify as the dramatization. The lionizing of this weird fucking craggly-faced dude who <laughs> works for the CIA. Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. And, like, it's just very... It's a confusing movie insofar as it puts Brian Cranston's character constantly in such a weirdly negative light. Like, I don't know that this was intentional, but the way that it communicates about everything that he does, it just makes him look like he's set up to take the fall. Like he's going to lose. Like he's going to get his just desserts at the end of this movie. And then he doesn't. Yeah, it's perplexing. Like it feels like you're getting like blue balled by this movie that (laughs) sets up all of this like very typical storytelling structure where he gets too big for his britches, he gets too overconfident, and that becomes his downfall. And then it just never comes. Yeah. Like, like he keeps getting into situations where, like, someone, f- like, basically finds out he's a cop. Mm-hmm. And then just nothing happens. Because that person miraculously gets killed. Yeah. By someone else. Yeah, but, like, what? (laughs) He never kills anyone. That's very important. Like... Yeah, yeah. You've got to preserve... He gets real sad about people getting killed, though. Which is why, like... Which is why I find this movie so deeply unbelievable. Like, there's so much of this that is very clearly directly influenced by the fact that it was produced and consulted on by the man it was about. Oh, yeah. Who is doing his best to preserve his own image. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just don't think it contains many elements of reality as a result. It, I mean, it can't. It was also unwatchably bad. Oh, yes. Also unwatchably <laughs> bad. Like, that, that, that's, that's not a question. Um, so, here's the thing, though. We can <laughs> shit on this movie for the next 45 minutes or so if we feel like it. Mm-hmm. Or we can transport ourselves with the magic of imagination to the Unsound Theoryverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And imagine I'm, I'm what this it. movie might be about in the Unsound Theoryverse. Because I have an idea that you might have also had the idea for. Okay, tell me. So in the opening scene of the movie, for whatever reason, and it's not clearly explained through the visuals, he's got like this patch on his chest that comes off mm-hmm. and did, then he's got a little like hole did right? notice i did notice the hole that was one of the only notes i wrote down is what the fuck is that like uh did he get like a bad rash from his from his wire or yeah, something yeah no no that hole because we don't see many people shirtless in this movie no no we don't what we actually learn through the course of this film is that that hole is chest drug chest drug okay okay yes yes this is and he is trying to take down the chest drug cartel okay 
Okay, I like where this is going so much better than than anything else. And now this is the thing, like the reason why some so much of it feels like bits of unreality is that Brian Cranston's character this whole time he's undercover is still addicted to the chess drug. Okay, what are the okay, for world building purposes, what are the effects of chess drug? Uh, it is very similar to neck drug. Okay, so you talk to yourself? Mm-hmm. But uh-huh. you also, um, as a result of ingesting chest drug, you have, like, dissociative memories that form. So it's a little bit of a hallucinogen, but more of mm-hmm. a outward hallucinogen than an inward hallucinogen. Okay. Like, the neck drug, neck drug because of the proximity of the blood-brain barrier affects your psyche a little bit more, whereas chest drug in its proximity to the heart disperses through the entire body and as a result becomes more of an outward hallucination. Mm. Is it the same drug applied differently? or Because I feel like this is season two of Unsound Theories. Um, right. Neck drug is just legends. So uh, I think this movie brings neck drug back into the canon. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm for it. And I think they're derived from the same base ingredients. Okay. All right. Like, but they are manipulated in such a way that the actual active compounds are slightly different. Okay. Yeah. Which is why you're able to get those different effects. And the application site is all about the specifics of the efficacy of the application. So is he working for the uh, company that makes chest drug? Or is he just like, just happens to be addicted to it and he's hiding it from his, um, from his secret, his, his cop employers? Hmm. I think in this version of the 1980s, chest drug is distributed and produced by the CIA. Okay, yeah. As like a conspiracy, because they 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 use chest drug to flood certain drug markets to cut off the cartels from distributing neck drug, but also to produce desired crime statistics to manipulate the American public into voting for Ronald Reagan, who they have hooked on chest drug to manipulate. Okay, this makes so much sense. Yes, yes, you've got me. And I think as a result. They also keep certain agents hooked on chest drugs so that they don't turn on them to join the cartels. And that's where Brian Cranston comes in, because he's being manipulated by his employer. Do you think he... Okay, this might be making him a little bit more competent than he actually is. Do you think he has... He's... He knows that he's being... That that his employer is attempting to manipulate him and keep him hooked on chest drug... And the reason he keeps almost getting caught is because he is trying to get caught so he can defect. I think that must be the case. And he keeps just getting super unlucky and the person catching him gets killed. Probably yeah. by the CIA. Exactly. By by separate undercover agents who've been assigned to track him. Yes. Okay. This is a, this is a much better movie. <laughs> this is already a much better movie. Fuck. Like his, his fake girlfriend... Um, the 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 field agent who joins him to pretend to be his girlfriend later on in the movie. Yeah. Like, I feel like she's gotta be assigned to be, like, his handler or something. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's yeah. 
you know, she's manipulating him through acts of subtle intimacy into confiding <clears throat> his attempts to get caught to her. Yeah, and she gives him little, like, subtle touches on the chest to make sure he still has his patch on and stuff. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. The, all those little bits of intimacy that they share are secret and subtle manipulations to keep him Fuck. in line. Fuck. And then the ending is actually good because it's a tragedy. Uh-huh. So we could keep all of the individual elements the same, but there's these little bits of breadcrumbs to the true conspiracy of chess drug. God, honestly, this is this is a much better movie. <laughs> and I'm I'm glad we watched vastly it. improved this movie. <laughs> I'm glad we watched this version of the movie. Yeah, like if we had watched the original version rather than the um the oh god um what's that thing that kids on TikTok do where they try to shift realities? Is that just called shifting? I have no idea. I've never heard of this, and I hate it. Oh, it's delightful. There's like this whole idea that like if you if you engage in certain activities, you can shift into adjacent timelines and realities. <clears throat> So I think what happened was the version of this movie that we watched was shifted from the Unsound Theories reality into our objective reality, such as it may be. Did we do that? Um, actually, so um, I do have a slight confession. Okay, were you watching uh, TikToks about how to shift alternate universe movies into our reality? Will you watch this? No, unfortunately, that was not what happened. Um, I did, however, talk to Flopjaw. Oh, shit. What did she say? I, um, she did call me a slut. I mean, she'll do that, yeah. said, um, don't drink and drive, which I said, I've never done that, Flopjaw. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I was told, watch this fucking movie, you piece of shit. And then I sent it to you, and that's how we got here. Okay. So, you know, sorry. No, I'm. It's. <clears throat> it, I mean, it's good to hear from Flopja again. You know. Uh yeah, she she did want me to say what's up, slut, to you as well. I yeah yeah she that sounds sounds like her. I mean, um, I'm, I'm. If you see her again, tell her I'm sorry. We put her in um, back into Legends canon, but we are <laughs> trying to bring her back now. See, that's the thing, like because she helped shift the movie from our universe to the unsound theory verse i think she's canon again god the multiverses are merging yeah it's like crisis on infinite earths shit this is probably gonna have some repercussions elsewhere yeah like what what happens if i merge with season one cat is the same coin light side gonna come back (laughs) The same coin is ending, like, very soon. <laughs> I don't know if you listened to this week's episode, but we are we are ramping things up pretty quickly. Okay, I'm a few weeks behind. And, um, and then after that comes Disaster Lesbian's Guide to the Apocalypse, which yes, I'm very excited I'm for. I'm stoked about that, too. I'm excited to be able to talk about the Patreon on the show again, because we won't be yeah. using a system that doesn't let us because of their stupid license agreement. Yep. Ugh. Capitalism sucks. Capitalism does suck. Um, now, that's the interesting thing, because this shifted movie that we watched 
mm-hmm. actually has some really interesting points to be made about capitalism and Reaganomics. Yeah. Because, like, you see Brian Cranston. His character is a federal agent. Has a house with a pool. He's His partner, John Leguizamo, has, like, a fucking Camaro. Like, they all have these little, little things that say, we're getting paid too much by Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. Because the CIA does that. That's the thing. The whole goal of this specific alternate reality CIA is to keep their agents in line to maintain their hegemonic power over the American people. Yeah. And... By taking teachers' salaries away. I mean, how else would you do it? Yeah, you've got to cut public health care, welfare, and teacher salaries first and foremost. Otherwise, where's the money for paying the cops coming from? Exactly. Where's the money for manufacturing chest drug coming from? Is that where the Pentagon budget disappears to every year? I would say at least uh, 10% of it, yeah. So then... I suppose the question then is, how does Harrison Ford in Clear and Present Danger play a part in this? Because mm. these movies take place around the same time, I think. Yeah. Um, is Harrison Ford addicted to chest drug in that? Is that I why he's constantly cause changing clothes? Cause... Possibly. I mean, he is playing the character Jack Reacher, right? Yeah. Extending and his reach across universes. Exactly. And you have to wonder if maybe the point of divergence comes from Jack Reacher attempting to reach across universes to stop Nectrug once and for all, and in doing so accidentally creates the conditions wherein chest drug exists. Oh shit. Oh god. It, uh, it all starts I think- with... With Harrison. Yeah. It all starts with Harrison Ford, and it continues on all the way to Ad Astra. And in the Unsound Theories verse, that's the thing now, because of these repercussions, the Unsound Theories verse, Ad Astra, they don't do neck drug, they do chest drug. And that no. changes the entire movie. No, you he, can't. He, you can't do this to me, Pat. He no longer sees hallucinations of his father, and that means he doesn't go out to Jupiter and... The monkeys never attack him. What about the dogs on Mars, though? Uh, the dogs on Mars are okay. Okay, good. Nothing happens to them. Good, good. They're happy, and they get to be dogs on Mars. Good. That said, the moon chase sequence does still happen. Oh, good, 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 good. You gotta have moon pirates. You, like, legally, you have to have moon pirates. Legally, you have to have moon pirates. <laughs> um, so I actually learned something interesting earlier this week. This is outside of the Unsound Theories verse. Did you learn there um, actually are moon pirates? No, but I did learn how they filmed that scene. Okay. Because, like, most movies like that will shoot day for night. Mm-hmm. Where, like, it is filmed during the daytime and then palette swapped and basically, like, shadow affected into looking like night. Yeah. But for Ad Astra... They had to do something different because in Day for Night, the biggest and deadest giveaway is the sky. Right. Because the techniques that they had previously are very good at turning everything but the sky into nighttime because the sky just becomes a gray, bright 
mass. Yeah. So for Ad Astra, what they did was a different technique. What they did was they took an infrared camera and a digital, like, and a film camera. Mm -hmm. So they had that mounted on a 3D movie camera rig, because those have two cameras. Right. So they filmed in infrared and in film, and then in editing, they overlaid the two shots, and it creates a believable night sky in day-for-night filming. That's so fucking cool. Yeah. (laughs) And then they advanced that technique even further with the uh, recent Jordan Peele movie, Nope. And if you look at the day-for-night shots in that movie, it's phenomenal. Huh. And now you're never going to be able to watch other movies with day-for-night shots ever again without seeing how bad the sky is. I mean, I that already, like, there's... I fucking love Fury Road so goddamn much, but there mm-hmm. is a sequence where it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. like, at night in the swamp, and it's so clearly just day with a blue palette swap. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, like, there's... There's a lot of movies that that happens in, and it's just hard to get past. Like, I, I like to learn about how special effects are done. Yeah, because it's And then it cool ruins movies for me. Um, now, have I ever told you about the time that I um, saw a back-to-back, a double feature of uh, two George Wheeler movies? One was Babe Pig in the City, and the next was Fury Road. Fuck, that's so good. <laughs> there was a burlesque act in between. Oh my god. And Fury Road was on actual film rather than a digital projection. Mm. It was really neat. Because you got to still see, you know, like, you know, in Fight Club, not to be someone who talks about Fight Club in the year <laughs> 2022. Hate to see um, it. But the, um, Brad Pitt points out the cigarette burns that show up in, like, real to real projection. I've never seen Fight Club. Basically, there's a little, like, dot on the actual projector film Uh that tells the projectionist to switch out the reels. Right. And then, you know, that keeps the film going because it's going to be on multiple reels for a 90-minute film. Right. So those were there, and it was really cool to see, like, all of those little, like, bits of how film used to be before everything switched to digital distribution. Uh-huh. It was fun. That's pretty cool. I recommend seeing movies on film more often. That's fair. Kind of hard to do these yeah, days. Yeah, a little bit. <clears throat> I did see the first time I saw Fury Road was in IMAX 3D, and that was fucking incredible. Okay, that's, yep, no, 100% on board with that. I could not drive home normally after that. I was... (laughs) Yeah, my um, blessing in disguise, we got to transit home after that. (laughs) Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's it's a a good movie. It's a good movie. Um, Okay, so we have... I feel like we've just kind of talked through this entire movie. Do we want to, like, give a quick plot rundown of, like what happened because I mean, that might help us come up with more ideas for the Unsound Theoryverse version. I mean, remember I, more of the Unsound Theoryverse version? Yeah, we definitely did watch, yeah. Um, yes. So, Bri Cran, um, he's, I, 
I literally like just finished watching this like minutes before we started recording and I have only a vague recollection of what happens during the movie. Yeah, because there's there's so few plot points that aren't just a reiteration of something that happened 10 minutes ago. Like yeah. you can summarize the plot in like three sentences, which I checked is the actual summary length <laughs> on Wikipedia. <laughs> And the the face blindness was very real for me in this one. That's fair. Um, no, I, I did recognize John Leguizamo. I recognized Jason Isaac. One of the reviews I read, and I'm not going to be reading it on the show because it wasn't otherwise funny, but one of the reviews did refer to John Leguizamo as Johnny Legs. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was extremely good. Um, okay. I want to go through some of the other stuff that we forgot to do at the top of the episode. Did you do a listen-along? Uh, yes. Kind of. I'm pretty sure it's one I've done before. Like, I got, like, halfway through the movie, I was like, I've done this to a movie before. Mm Mm-hmm. So, it's not worth talking about. It didn't sync up at all. Uh... Yeah, no, I I listened to something again. I try to find the most atonal music to, uh, to the movie just to see if I can find any bits of sync. There aren't any. Yeah. I listened to um, the album Garlic Bread and Roses by Garlic Bread and Roses, which is the band that my friend Steph is in. And um, they sing a lot about being sad and trans. Fair. And it's really beautiful music that is so completely atonal to the neon 1980s setting that we are in. I listened to two power metal concept albums that are part of the same story and it um it didn't 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 go off yeah it's just yeah Yeah. i don't think anything would have synced up with this movie because it's like so unfocused on itself like i don't think the movie knew what it was trying to say other than recreating some guy's memoirs (sighs) i don't i don't know what it was supposed to be i don't i just don't know this one might actually just be a short episode, huh? Well, tell me what the, what it was actually about. Oh, well, first, I do want to talk about um, the fact that there are multiple instances of Cranston Face in this movie. Tell me what Cranston Face is. Um, it's part of the general Cranstonity of the film. Okay. Um, within Cranstonity studies, there's a <laughs> phenomenon known as Cranston Face, which is where Brian Cranston stares in abject horror with an open mouth. Okay. Um, it's first pioneered primarily in his work with Vince Gilligan, where you see a lot of the the very it's it's the way that he gets extremely emotive makes his face do that Claudite thing that I described earlier. Yeah. He he has he has a lot of face skin. Yes, that's the thing. <laughs> and, like, that makes his face very emotive. But I'm trying to find... Here we go. I found an example. Okay. The Cranston face. Okay, Cranston face, yeah. Yeah, he's got... He's, it's, he's got his mouth just, just a little bit open. Not, like, not like hanging open. No, it's just, like, a little open, but the abject horror is what really sells it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, did you know... This is the Brian Cranston fact of the day. Okay. Uh, that he was actually, he voiced one of the monsters of the week in an episode of Power Rangers. That's amazing. He's delightful in that. Like, I think 
he needs to stick to doing shit like that. Yeah, it's just like he started doing his whole post breaking bad I'm a serious actor now thing. Yeah. And it just you know, it's a struggle because I think he tries to be too serious. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like he's doing all of these Oscar bait movies that never actually get good enough to get him the Oscar. It's a mistake, really. That said, I did just find out something delightful. Okay. He was also in the 2017 Power Rangers movie as Zordon. Fuck. So, full Oh, yeah, I do remember that. That's that's another thing I've seen with him in it, because I did see that. I... It, It was... It was a movie yeah. that was made. Um, yeah. The thing is, like, I I feel <clears> like <throat> Power Rangers is another one of those series that needs someone who cares about it to tell a good story in it. Yeah. And I'm sure there could be a really cool RPG campaign about it, but I'm not going to be the one to do it because I am a little bit tired of adapting other people's IP. Yeah, that's fair. Don't blame ya. Hello listeners, it's Kat with this week's mid-roll announcements. A few weeks ago, I was on the Party of One podcast playing my wrestling RPG, Call It in the Ring. Jeff and I had a delightful time weaving the story of a really memorable wrestling match, and I hope you'll check out that episode and Party of One itself. If you'd like to purchase the game you heard on Party of One, you can visit zaftycat.itch.io. You'll find that game and a few others that I'm really proud of. Any purchases entitle you to an updated version of the game should I decide to make any changes later. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow me on Tumblr at zaftycat.tumblr.com or on Twitter at zaftycat. You can find Kira on her Tumblr, sapphire-mess.tumblr.com or on her Twitter, sapphire underscore mess. If you'd like to support us, there are a few ways you can do that. First, you can tell someone about the show. We thrive on word of mouth, and our goofy brand of weird is the perfect thing to recommend to your friends, your polycule, your found family, your biological family, or your kismesis. You could also be our favorite people in the world and leave a review for the show on the podcatcher of your choice. We're fans of good pods for their really neat shareability features, but whatever you prefer works for us. If you do leave a review, let us know via tweet or Tumblr message, and you'll get a shout-out on the show. Thirdly, we'd be so grateful if you were to support us on Patreon. We make this show because we love it, not because of the money, but a little support from you goes a really long way for us, and helps us keep the episode release schedule a little bit more consistent. So please consider that support. No integer dollar amount is too small. That's all for the mid-roll. I'll let past me and Kira get back to talking about the utter cranstonity of this really terrible movie. Cue the VCR sound. Do you want to read the summary of this? I would love to. God awful hell. Okay. The Infiltrator is a 2016 American biographical crime film directed by Brad Furman. And written by his mom, <laughs> Ellen Brown Furman. <laughs> f- <laughs> they did not bury the lead on that one. That just, I just read that for the first time. That's phenomenal. <laughs> hey mom, do you want to rate this movie for me? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> That's the 
best thing about the movie. Yes! It's based on the eponymous autobiography by Robert Mazur, a U.S. Customs Special Agent who in the 80s helped bust Pablo Escobar's money laundering organization by going undercover as a corrupt businessman. The film stars Brian Cranston with Diane Kruger, Benjamin Bratt, John Leguizamo, Saeed Tagmawi, Joe Gilgan, and Amy Ryan. I thought I recognized Amy Ryan. Who's Amy Ryan? Um, she was Holly in The Office. Oh. Oh. Yeah, she was his commanding officer. Okay. Um, so, plot summary. During the 80s, U.S. Customs Service Special Agent Robert Mazur uses his undercover alias, Bob Mazula, to become a pivotal player for drug lords laundering their dirty cash. Later, he infiltrates the world's largest cartel and helps expose the money laundering organization of drug lord Pablo Escobar and take down the Bank of Credit and Commerce International, which had secretly taken illegal ownership of First American Bank shares in Washington, D.C. Hmm. Uh, yeah. That is the full That's the full summary. summary. I mean... Are you ready for budget versus box office? Oh, God. My favorite part of any of these any of these episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Budget. Um estimated between twenty eight and forty seven point five million. Jesus Christ. Talk about money laundering. Mm-hmm. Box office, twenty two point two million. <laughs> so even with the lower estimate, it did not make back its budget. Good. It, it I don't know if you're familiar with the whole way that budget math is calculated in Hollywood. I'm not. But um, you do need to make back at least twice your budget for the film to be profitable. And (sighs) this did not make back the full budget, let alone twice. Well, goes to show you, you get, you do, you do, you do a bad movie, you get a, you don't, you don't get a you do a bad movie you don't get a a, a monies yep 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 so um a, a the aggregate on rotten tomatoes the generally summed up review is the infiltrator's compelling fact-based story and tremendously talented cast are often just enough to balance out its derivative narrative and occasional clunky execution <laughs> i i'm i don't know that i would go that far yeah, but but it doesn't say that it's always just enough to balance out the clunky execution. True, true. It's just often <laughs> just barely enough. Uh that's and that's I would I would consider that generous. I I think so. Um now here's an interesting fact. Mhm. Um the real life Javier Ospina ba- Baraya sued Robert Mazur and the makers of this film for what he alleged was an erroneous impression of him. (laughs) The Florida State Court of Appeals ruled that the suit could proceed in 2019. I don't know where the suit is today. All right. We'll see where that goes. I'll I'll be be following that one. We'll be watching with Baited. No, we won't. I will never think about this movie. As soon as I am done editing this episode, I will stop thinking about this movie forever. Yes. Same. <clears throat> Do you want to hear some reviews? I would love to. Okay, so there's one that I sent you, but I'm not going to read here because it's just some right-wing piece of shit complaining about how it's too politically correct or whatever. 
Right. The CIA propaganda movie is too politically correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there were so, so goddamn many reviews along this line. Charlie gives it one star and says, too much filthy language, not necessary, not necessary and not something I care to hear. Hollywood seems to think that if a movie does not have sex or dirty language, it won't appeal to the public. Not for me or my family. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people complaining about how there was too much bad language and too much violence. Yep, that sounds that sounds about right for the kind of people who would think a movie about the CIA is interesting and not just watch Clear and Present Danger, which was, I think, a better version of this. Mm-hmm. Amazon customer gives us one star and titles their review, Weak. And the text of this review reads, Dade. D-A-Y-E-D. Read me that one again? It it just reads Dade. What's the title of the review? Weak. W-E-A-K. And the text is D-A-Y-E-D. Weak Dade. Oh, shit. Yeah, I don't... That doesn't make any more sense. (laughs) That doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Blue Cove gets it, gives it one star, untitled, mm-hmm. not impressed. <clears throat> and this review reads, I am sick of liars of all kinds, even the DEA when they entrap drug lords. The cartel was classier and much more educated. Now they have been replaced by thugs. So, I'm, is, is this review complaining? Is it giving the movie one star? Because the CIA broke up Pablo Escobar's cartel? Yeah, because they lied to do it. And and the cartel is way classier than the CIA. also probably racistly complaining about current drug dealers yeah. being less honorable than the cartels? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does this... I... <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. There is so much to unpack there. Like, like that's at least three suitcases worth of unpacking that you need to do. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm notoriously very bad at unpacking my suitcases. <laughs> yeah, I still have mine packed from when I visited Hannah last month. I mean, like, I we were down at Erin's last weekend, and um, we definitely have not unpacked what is in that suitcase. <laughs> Other than the fact that I did remember to take my phone charger out to plug it back into the wall when we got home. That's good. That's good. How about we don't unpack that review and we go on to the next one. Manny gives it one star and says, in all caps, This movie suck. I don't know the actor. He's too old for this kind of movie. This is just my opinion, all right? Certainly one opinion. Um, I, yeah. All all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then... uh, RDMN gives it one star and says, great movie. And the, the text of the review is, I would have given five stars if the star of the movie was not a far left winger. Is So, Brian Cranston being a Democrat, a, I would argue, I, I, pretty darn close to center Democrat. Yeah, I, I, was, I was not aware that Brian Cranston was far left wing. Yeah. <sighs> I feel as though this movie wouldn't have been made if he was. This was pure Ronald Reagan era propaganda. Like, yeah, 
it probably it, the only way it could have been more Reagan propaganda was if they talked about the moral majority. Yeah, and they like <laughs> had Jerry Falwell on there. <laughs> like, That's fuck. fucking confusing. People, what what movie are you watching? What Brian Cranston are you talking about? <laughs> Unless, Unless. <gasps> alternate reality Brian Cranston from the Unsound Theories verse showed up in this guy's movie. Fuck. And the Unsound Theories verse movie that we made. I mean, we watched. (laughs) 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 Sorry, Emma laughing at me got me laughing at myself. (laughs) 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 The Unsound Theories first movie that we watched had a far more left-wing bent to it because it portrays the CIA as the bad guys. True. So So maybe that's the movie that... It's Is leaking. this guy from the Unsound Theory Maybe it's leaking through time. Okay, um, what I'm gonna do is suggest we just throw a blanket over the rift and hope <laughs> that it goes away. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the simplest solution, right? Like, you know, just ignore it. Yeah. Let it be someone else's problem. Yeah. And then when the Unsound Theoryverse eventually merges with our universe, we can, uh, we can deal with that when it happens. Are you ready for possibly one of the most brutal reviews of a movie I've ever seen? God, yes. Kristen gives this two stars. And I just want to start out by saying that when someone gives a movie two stars, you know they're not just one or fiving it. Yeah. Which means they've carefully considered why they hate this movie. (laughs) Yes. Uh, This review is titled, This Movie Droops Like Floppy Worthless Old Man Skin. Starting off strong. Very strong. Okay. (laughs) I hope I can get through this one. Fuck. Okay. (sighs) I can do it. The Infiltrator boldly goes where every other film has gone before, with a similar premise, I guess. Accusing a film based on true story of being cliché feels bizarre. Perhaps it's the lackluster execution of this movie, which lends to the impression that audiences have seen all this before and done better. Not even the legendary Brian Cranston could save this film. How many more poignant shower scenes involving a character washing blood off their body during a moment of reflection do we need? This one comes complete with a close-up of blood circling the drain. Holy shit! The Infiltrator makes a half-hearted attempt to give audiences the impression that undercover Cranston had bonded with his targets and been tortured by his duplicity, but even in the Infiltrator's lengthy runtime fails to accomplish this. The fake wedding in the hands of a Scorsese, Coppola, or Ratner would have been an incredible sequence to behold. Instead, its potential was wasted in the hands of whoever directed this. A by-the-numbers <laughs> crime film? Just watch Donnie Brasco or make a shoe or something. This movie sucks. If you liked it, you are stupid. <laughs> I, I can't argue with any of that. No. That's a flawless review. <laughs> I think, like, ultimately, I think this movie failed because it tried to adhere too closely to the constructed reality that Robert Mazur created yeah. to make himself look better. Yep. <clears throat> which is why it's so cliche. Uh. <laughs> Go watch Donnie Brasco or make a shoe or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's just it's very delightfully like dismissive of what is a mid film at best okay we have another two-star review from leonardo the ninja turtle <laughs> it could be uh it's titled um oh the the title's just the first sentence of the review. Okay, it reads, Propaganda BS made to look like custom officials are the white hats. Based on facts stretched and plied to aid an illegitimate claim. Shameless. Hope Cranston reconsiders where he spends his enormous talent before he becomes yet another Clint Eastwood-style pissed-off white male on his way to a Breitbart meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I hope that was Leonardo the Ninja Turtle because, like, that seems the you know, the Ninja Turtles are kind of like you know a little bit left wing. Yeah, right? they're left wing superheroes. Yeah, for sure. And it, I'm gonna just pretend that was written by a turtle. I'll I'll allow it. <clears throat> uh, the lack of mention of pizza is a little concerning. Yeah, but sometimes when you get worked up about how shitty the CIA is, you forget about pizza briefly. True. Um, William Ricker gives it three stars and titles the review, Oh Well, and it reads, I still love you, Brian. (laughs) So, like, what I'm getting from the reviews is that nobody liked this movie. The far right didn't like the movie because it was too, um, too unchristian. Yeah. And... Everyone else didn't like the movie because it was either bad or right-wing propaganda. Mm -hmm. Um, Arthur O. didn't like this movie for an extremely specific reason. Oh? (laughs) Arthur gives it three stars, and the review reads, This movie was well made. I just wonder how accurate it was. Barry Seal was killed in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, not Tampa, Florida. He was killed in a parking lot of his halfway house. The hit team from Columbia was soon arrested. I know it's a movie, but that scene ruined the movie for me. So now, we're getting conflicting bits of reality. Maybe maybe the, the facts that this guy's reporting are from our universe, but bits of the Unsound Theoryverse bled into this movie as well. I think so. It's in. It, it's very possible. Um, this is this this review is going to be a shock to you. Shelley <clears throat> gives this four stars and titles the review. If this were a book, it would be called A Page Turner. Never a dull moment. <laughs> it is a book. It is a book, though. <laughs> like it's very explicitly based on a book. Oh, just wait. This movie was very good and kept me on the edge of my seat nearly the entire time. The main character, Bob Mazzella, played by Brian Cranston, was one of the bravest men I've ever seen. His real job was a U.S. Customs Special Agent, but he went undercover and posed as a corrupt businessman so that he could expose and bring down the world's largest cartel run by Pablo Escobar. The cartel doesn't let just anyone in. And what they put Bob Mazzella through to prove he could be trusted was truly horrifying at times. I kept thinking that at any minute, Bob's cover would be blown and he would be killed or tortured. But he pulled it off and in my book was quite the hero. So like, I... So the propaganda worked on this person. <laughs> yeah, but like, that's the thing. Like, this, I, I don't know that they have completely put together that this is based on a memoir. <laughs> this is... Reality as reported by 
Robert Macer. Yeah. So obviously he's gonna Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 not gonna make himself look bad. <laughs> like he's not gonna say, like, yeah, I did cocaine. Or yeah, I got a blowjob from a stripper. Or yeah, I had sex with that bisexual man. Like, none of that is going to make it in because he's gotta make himself look good for all of the fucking deep right wing <laughs> fucking Christ, I I can't with these people. <laughs> I have <clears throat> only one more review for you. And I think okay. this reviewer hates me personally. Oh, and no. You. Jason gives oh, it four no. stars. Oh, no. Their review. Solid movie. They start off this review by saying... I wish the movie was longer because it was so good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me tell you, this movie is two hours and seven minutes long. It does not need to be longer. It was, it was hell to watch. It needed to be about half an hour shorter. At least, yes. You really didn't hate the good guys at the end, and it was wonderfully acted by everyone. I feel as though, I, I, again, so the, the movie, we didn't talk about this, but the movie ends with a fake wedding, mm -hmm. and then they get all of the crime boys at together at the fake wedding and arrest yeah. them. And, you know, Brian Cranston sits there looking triumphant for his successful undercover sting operation, and I feel nothing but contempt for the man he is playing. Yeah, He shows it, it it undermines the entirety of the film in that last scene right because like <clears throat> he calls the guy to warn him and everything like that and like you know helps out the guy's wife and all that and like is shocked to see that he survived and all that this that and the other thing and it's like it then pays that off by having him be completely unaffected by all of these people who he undercover admittedly befriended yeah and it it sort of it undermines the emotional journey that the character was supposed to have gone on because he's supposed to have been like it was about the temptation of becoming f real friends with these people right? yeah and it it just sort of it was about the temptation to betray the u.s government for his friends in effect and then the movie just completely shits on that in the last scene. Yeah. Not a good movie. Don't no. recommend. Zero stars. None stars with left Brian Cranston. <clears throat> and the Cranstonity wasn't even that no. good. Okay. Um, we did have one more segment that I'm oh, yeah. maybe a little bit stealing from House of Snacks, which is where I get to tell you about a snack that I had. Mm -hmm. Which is uh, Lay's Masala Magic flavor, which I think might be exclusive to India and Canada. Um, I feel like that's probably something you could find in the UK, too. Probably. But it is the most delightful flavor of chip I have ever had. Like, it does sound Canada already good. is a contender with strong chip flavors. Ketchup chips are pretty top tier. All dressed chips are like, you know, the S tier of potato chip. 
I think this is a little bit better than All Dressed Chips. Damn. So this is like S plus. Damn. I'm gonna have to... So I will try to figure out a way to get some to you so that you can try them. Yeah. Because I... They are very good. It sounds really good. It's like... You know how like a lot of potato chips are a little bit too salty sometimes? I'm not coming with you on this Because like, that's a whole like part of the chip strategy to get you to continue eating more chips is like, you know, it, it is missing certain flavors, the blah, blah, blah. There's a whole psychological reason why and like the biological reason why we eat a lot of chips and it's because we're never fully satisfied by the flavors that a chip produces and it's usually because it's too salty. These <coughs> chips are not too salty. Okay. So you don't lose the flavor of the potato. And I think that's kind of essential. Okay. This is a controversial take for me personally, because I'm a slut for salt. Oh, same. Huh. I mean, I want to try it. It's them. just... It, it. So, like, I think the thing here is that it is... Because, it, it, like, I, I think, like, plain chips often just taste like salt unless you get kettle chips. Mm, yeah. Like, the plain, super thin lays... Yeah, yeah. I mean, those To suck. me... They're not good. Those are... Yeah, they're like if you put salt on a fucking communion wafer. Yeah. Like it's it's it doesn't taste like anything. Whereas these chips have a well-rounded flavor. So it's like it's salt you know, what I consider to be too salty versus salty enough might be different from what a normal person does because of all of the spironolactone that I consume. Yeah. Yeah. But um, for me, they're like the perfect level of saltiness to various other flavors where it doesn't feel like anything's being drowned out and everything feels like it's being celebrated. I, 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 I strongly recommend our Canadian listeners, probably our UK listeners and any listeners we might have in India, get yourself a bag of the Masala Magic Chips. They're good. I, yeah, uh, I want some. There are definitely like websites that do... Um, export of Canadian goods to the US but I don't want to make you have to pay those prices so I might see if I can pick up a bag and mail it to you mm. mail chips mail chips chips mail. Uh, which actually brings us to this week's <clears throat> sponsor MailChimp <laughs> sorry I couldn't help myself <laughs> we're not sponsored by MailChimp cat I feel so betrayed <laughs> Look, um, that said, if you want, um, you know, diegetic ads like that, we're pretty good at them. So if you do want to sponsor us, yeah. MailChimp, Lay's Chips, <laughs> uh, Corn Flakes, any one of those, um, probably not HelloFresh unless they paid us a lot. Um, definitely not BetterHelp. In fact, I'm going to record an anti-ad for BetterHelp. Don't use BetterHelp. Yeah, fuck them. It's, like, just generally very bad forms of therapy performed by people who might not actually have the accreditation that they claim, and it charges you money in a really weird and predatory way, and you should probably just get your money taken by an actual licensed therapist with an office. Yeah. Anyway, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say about this movie? Cranstonity in general? Um, John Leguizamo? I mean, Johnny Lakes was great. 
yeah, John Leguizamo is wonderful in everything he's in. Um, you know, obviously his best work being, um, well, The Pest, top tier, um, Tybalt in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, and Luigi Mario in the Mario Brothers movie. That order. I have stunned Kira into silence, I yeah, think. Yeah, I... Yeah... Did I make you remember the pest and that's giving you psychic damage? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, in reality, only one of those roles, I think, is actually any good, and it's Tybalt in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, because I think that movie is one of the most delightful of Baz Luhrmann's movies. God, I need to watch that movie again. It's, it's so over-the-top and so, like, delightfully dripping with catholic symbolism it's it's incredible and i i think it is absolutely worth watching probably the most worth watching of baz Luhrmann's oeuvre which you know includes moulin rouge which he was also in um he plays a little person and it's really uncomfortable john leguizamo doesn't pick movies he just takes the movies that come to him is what i'm gathering here <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah. Can you blame him? Uh, no, because I like money too. Yeah. So, um, I think that's everything I have to say about anything related to this movie. Thanks for listening. Oh, God. We absolutely did no. not. No, we, we, but we did make it better by not listening. Exactly. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Unsound Theories is a production of So Says Media. You can follow us on Twitter at Unsound Theories or follow Kat and Kira at Zafticat, Z-A-F-T-I-K-A-T, and at Sapphire underscore mess, respectively. The best way to support the work we do is to tell a friend and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods. If you'd like to support our work monetarily to help us keep the lights on, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash Media. There you'll gain access to behind-the-scenes content, Patreon-exclusive episodes, and so much more. The music used in this episode is Dance on All the Cell Phones by Chris Postel. You can find this and Chris's other work at soundslikeanearful.com. Until next time, stay wizard. <laughs>